Thank you so much for, uh, for this day. What a beautiful day. We thank you, Lord, for uh, times of praise and worship. We thank you, Lord, for giving us the privilege of proclaiming your word. I, I thank you for my brothers and sisters here in this place that you give them those gifts to proclaim your word. And Lord, I thank you so much for uh, how we can learn from each other, how we can grow in our faith, knowing we're all in this together, and we all love you together. And we thank you, and I pray, Lord, now that this message will bring you glory, that you might use me to, to proclaim your word. We pray, and I pray that our hearts will be open to receive what you have for each and every one of us today. In Jesus' name. Amen. I read about a, a soldier who was hit by small arms fire. He went down, and then he got back up again. And he continued. Then he got hit again and went down and got right back up and continued. Why? Because he is wearing 16-pound armor, body armor. And... From what I'm hearing, engineers are trying to, are working hard to develop a body armor for a military people that will be so light that it feels like a second skin. So barely noticeable for our soldiers. And so we're talking about the armor that military people wear. We've been using that analogy between the armor of those in the service and the armor of God. And God wants us to wear this armor like it, like it, like it's a second skin. It becomes just natural to us that we can freely move and knowing that it's not cumbersome, but it's there just for us to use to grow in Him and defeat the power of the of the devil. Now, last week we talked about the breastplate. No, we talked about the belt of truth and how important it is to be in the truth, be in the Word of God. And again, if you look at the armor of God, we're also going to be talking about the sword of the Spirit. See, we cannot get away, when, you're, when we're dealing with spiritual warfare, we cannot get away from the Word of God. That is God's truth. We need to be anchored in the Word of God in order to overcome the arrows of the enemy. Amen? Amen. So this morning, we want to look at the breastplate of righteousness. And that's going to be our first thought. And we're going to be looking at Ephesians 6, 14. But as we look at 6, uh, Ephesians 6, 14, we're going to read the armor of God in its, in its entirety from uh, ver, uh, chapter 6, verses 14 uh, through 17. At the end of this series, we're going to have this section of Scripture memorized because it is so, so important because we, dealing, we are dealing with the devil each and every day in some way, shape, or form. Paul said, stand firm then with a belt of truth buckled around your waist, with a breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word, 
of God. Paul is talking about, about fighting Satan by wearing spiritual armor, the breastplate of righteousness, like a second skin. That it should be natural to us to protect us from the major hits from the enemy so we can live what? So that we can live a righteous life. Righteousness comes through faith in Christ. And that's going to be our theme today because we can't earn righteousness. It's a gift. It's given to us. So this armor that we're talking about is a gift. These are all gifts that God has given us because he never, he never leaves us unprepared so that we can be prepared in every avenue of our lives to overcome Satan. And all of us go through our times, don't we? You know, I mean, I'm not picking on Jeanette, but, you know, I know Jeanette, we were talking a little bit today, and she gets burdened as we all get burdened. But we know that, we, that God is always there. Somehow he'll always lift us up and bring us back to himself and give us strength to overcome whatever it is that we are dealing with. And brothers and sisters in Christ, we will go through trials. And they'll hit us in a variety of ways, but we will go through them. But we don't have to go through life constantly in gloom and doom because we are victors in Jesus Christ. Amen? And amen. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 1, 30-31. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us our wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. How many of you have ever heard of Lloyd John Ogilvy? Only one? Okay. Okay, Lloyd John Ogilvy, let me explain. Now, I want you to think about some uh, Christian today that's very well known, that, that you've heard of, you read about, that is extremely well known, and, and you know about his faith walk or her faith walk. Lloyd John Ogilvy was a Presbyterian. That's why only one hand went up. Jan was Presbyterian. But anyway, about Lloyd John Ogilvy, what made him stand out in our view is he was very evangelical. He was a born-again Christian. And Lloyd John Ogilvy, back in the day, was a gifted writer. I mean, you just click on the Internet, and you get a ton of his material, and it is good. It is good material because he's inspired me in many, many ways through the years. He's a gifted author. He once was uh, pastor of the Senate. Now, that could be a bad thing for years. And uh, trying to, in fact, he was the one that really, there for a while, really got in, you know, they'd have the, like, the weekly prayer, whatever, and the Senate, whatever. And, and Lloyd John really was very instrumental in trying to, my understanding, is get that revved up and get the senators, senators in for a prayer. But I bring him up because, though he's not famous to you, he is out there in, in many, many circles. And Ogilvy drew meaning for his life from a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Paul reminds us that Jesus is all we will ever, ever need. His, he, 
His wisdom and his power supersedes all human wisdom and power. Amen? So, that is why we boast. We boast not because of how great we are, but because how great Jesus is. See the difference there? You know, we need to understand that all Christians, because I see this a lot, and sometimes it can be some very visible uh, Christian leaders. Sometimes it's in churches that are growing and very successful where their leaders fall because they, they start thinking they're so great that they're up here. They, they, they forget who got them to where they are. See, so Paul is saying, let him boast, boast in the Lord. God has given you a gift, then praise God for that. Use it for his glory, not for your glory, but for his glory. All that we do should be for him. You know, we don't come to church not for our glory, but for his. We're here because of him, period. So Paul says, I boast, I boast in Jesus. And Paul had every reason, a million reasons to, to boast personally. The man was gifted. We all know that. But boy, when he became in Christ, his focus, his attitude shifted toward the one Jesus. And he wants us to shift to the one Jesus in order to overcome all the arrows that Satan shoots at is at us. And so that is very Paul was very emphatic about that. So when we boast in him. Number two, apply righteousness. Genesis 15, 6. Abram, or later Abraham, believed the, the, the Lord, and he, and he credited it to him as righteousness. I love that. He was righteous. Why? Because he loved his God. Romans 4, 23 and 24. The words, it was credited to him, were written not for him alone, but also for us to whom God will credit righteousness for us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. In spite of his flaws, Abraham loved God. And because of his love, what? It was credited to him as righteousness. I love that. Paul says the same righteousness also applies to all who believe that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. We practice righteousness by living a life of integrity and honesty. Anytime, listen, anytime we shade the truth, tell a little white lie, or cheat just a little bit, give Satan an opening. That's all he needs. He needs just a little opening, and he's there. So righteousness, and none of us are perfect. We know that, but we're striving to be perfect, aren't we? If we're striving to be more like Jesus, then we are in our process. That really is the old Presbyterian word, but it's not just Presbyterian, it's sanctification. You know, we are already, but not yet. We're on the journey, but we're not there. We take a step forward, we take a half a step back. Because Satan is there and he's pushing us around. But we keep pressing on because that's what righteousness calls us to do. To keep pressing on and pressing on 
and pressing on. Second Chronicles, it's not in, on the screen, but God spoke to me and when I got to this part of this message. You know, Second Chronicles would be a great... I'm looking at Second Chronicles uh, 20, 15. I'm sure it's very familiar to you. This is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours but God's. When confronted with Israel's two enemies, the Moabites and the Ammonites, Jehoshaphat, king of, of Judah, called out to God. And the Lord answered. The Lord answered and said, Don't be afraid or discouraged, for the battle is not yours but whose? But God's. And then he offered these assuring words. He said, The Lord is with you. In verse 17, the Lord is with you. Jehoshaphat put his faith in God and was victorious. Yes, we are engaged in, a, in an invisible battle with the devil, but victory comes from knowing that God is with us. Amen? God is with us. When you're down, remember, God is with you. Whatever you're going through, God is with you. You keep remembering that and even expressing it will keep Satan at bay. That is a fact. Will keep him at bay. We resist the devil by understanding that Satan can't stand it. He can't stand it when we praise God. Think about that. Every time we praise and sing to the Lord, it's driving him nuts. He can't stand it. Satan can't stand it. When we pray, every time you pray, Satan can't stand that. It drives him what? It drives him crazy. Every time you sing, every time you worship, he can't stand it. You come to church, you walk through those doors, he can't stand it. It drives him goofy. It does. So we need to understand what, that the things that, that drive him crazy are the things we should be doing. You know? These are weapons God has given us. God has given us these weapons, and when we use them, Satan flees. So every time you are doing the word of God and seeking his will, Satan must flee. He can't stay there. When people say, no, I can't get him out of my head, out of my mind. Oh, yes, you can. You can. Just keep doing the will of God. And be cool. Don't try to overthink it. Just be in the word of God. And he'll set you free. Because he's all part. He can do that. We can't. I can, I can pray with you all day long in my flesh and try to help you and come up with all these kind of phrases or words, catchphrases that will help you in your faith. But you know, if it's coming from me, it's not going to work. It's got to come from Christ. This is all about Jesus. Always all about him. And when we keep that anchored in our hearts and minds, then we can't lose. Satan will have to flee. Amen? And amen. So, how are we doing so far? Righteousness in the Spirit. Now, we're going to be here for a while because we're looking at Romans 8, 9, and 11. 
And when you read 8, Romans 8, 9, and 11, count, just as, as we're reading, count him how many times spirit is used in these verses. Okay? Romans 8, 9, and 11. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not live or have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin. Yet your spirit is alive because of what? Because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give you, give to you, to your mortal bodies, bodies through his spirit, who lives in you. How many times have we heard, who, he lives, he lives, he lives in us, he lives in us. I love this because in the previous verses, Paul goes into great detail what it means to be in the flesh and live according to the flesh. Now, we do not have to live or be controlled by the flesh. In verse 9, we have the assurance, this assurance. You, however, are now what? Controlled by the sinful nature, not by the sinful nature, but by the spirit if God lives in you. That's proof. If we are in, in the spirit, if the spirit is in us, we have proof that Christ is in us. Amen? We need to see that. Some people say, well, I don't know. I don't, you know, I don't feel, so, you know. If you confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit automatically comes into, into your heart. Amen? We understand that. That's what, that's what Paul is saying here, I believe. And then he continues, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. The Spirit is mentioned how many times? Six times. Listen, we can't live a righteous life and overcome Satan's attacks if we are living in times of confusion. If we are living in times of confusion where that confusion is controlling us, there's a problem. We can't live in times of constant stress. We can't live in times of joy and in times of sorrow. We can't live in times of plenty and times of want. We can't live in despair. Why? I want you to think about that for a moment. I mentioned the good and the bad, right? The good and the bad. We cannot live without the power of the Holy Spirit activated and giving us balance. Life is about balance. If you're joyful, then praise God for your joy. If you're living right now and things are going good for you financially and your family and things are going well, then you praise God for that. Amen? You praise God for that. You know? When you're in pain, 
then you're in pain. You feel that. My point is this, that if we don't have balance in our lives, then our joy can be, can be used in the wrong way. See what I'm saying? Or, or our sorrow. See, they all go, there needs to be balance with all that. Some people get so high in Jesus, then when they start coming down, they can't deal with it. I've seen this time and again. People, I've had people come up to me, one gal years ago said, has, has Jesus done a miracle in your life today? I, first I said, well, I can't really think of one. But it did irritate me. The same gal, a week later, has Jesus done a miracle in your life? Now I'm getting a little, slightly irritated. Well, I can't think of one when you, your, your, your definition of miracle, I can't think of one. Then the third time, the same thing. Did Jesus Christ, have you received a miracle from Jesus this week or today? Finally, finally I'd had it. I said, yes. I said, I, said, I woke up this morning and the sun was shining. I woke up this morning. I'm alive. I woke up this morning realizing that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. That's my miracle. That's all I need. Everything else for me is frosting on the cake. So when we receive miracles of healings or whatever, praise God for that. But that should drive us to Christ. We don't worship for a miracle. We worship for Jesus. Jesus was, is the one who's going to meet us in heaven. It's not going to be that miracle you had in 1986, if you were born at that time. <laughs> See what I'm saying? You know, it's all, everything points to Christ. Righteousness points to Jesus Christ. Everything, all roads lead to him. And if that's not the case in our faith walk, then we are on the wrong track. And we're vulnerable to Satan's attacks because he will go in and he will deliver. He will hammer you and me. You know, if we're not in Christ. So my question to you today is, are you having a good time? Are you feeling good? Okay, that's right. Life is good. I'm, I'm going to finish with living a life of righteousness. And it comes from Matthew 16, 19 through 21. And listen to this. Jesus is speaking. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in what? In heaven. Where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. But where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Here Jesus reminds us that faith, faith and life consists of more than material things. Then he said again in verse 21, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Meaning what is in our hearts will dictate dictate our lifestyles, and set our priorities. Listen, 
If your treasure is Jesus Christ, that is where your heart will be. Did you catch that? If your treasure is Jesus Christ, that is where your heart will be. You know, we say, we love you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. Then we should live according to that love. Amen? Then we should be driven by Jesus' love. So that is important for us to see. You know, how many times, I don't know if you've heard this, but I have. And I've been around longer than most of you, so that gives me some credibility, I suppose, in that sense. I've heard people say, well, listen, growing in Christ, eh, you know, I don't want to get into this religious stuff. You know, I don't want to become a Jesus freak or, or whatever because I'm enjoying my life. You know, I got really th- good things going on in my life, and I don't want to become a Jesus person and have to give up all my freedoms and all the good things I want to do in this world. What do you say about that? I don't know about you, but I'm sure that some of you here can identify what I'm saying. I can only share my story. But back in my early years, I was a bad boy. I was a bad boy in so many different ways. Now, I, you know, when, when people tell you, of all the people in the world, you, you become a pastor, what does that tell you? You know, what does that tell you? And so I did a lot of things that I am ashamed of. You know, I was self-centered. I was doing some moral things. I shouldn't, immoral things, so on and so forth. I didn't go any further than that. But I was living a life I thought what, it was for me. It was for my desires, my pleasure. I was getting my pleasure. So why do I want to give that up? But I did when Christ came into my heart. Some of you have been raised in the church. Some of you have been raised in Jesus. And that is great. That is fantastic. But for some of us, we went from one world into the spirit world. We've lived, you know, I've lived there. Some of you have lived there. You've been there. You know what I'm talking about. But when Jesus Christ, there's a common theme that happens when a person becomes born again. It changes your values. Doesn't it? It changes values. The things that we once thought, I thought, were great, suddenly I thought, not so great. You know, they're not so great. Because when we come to Jesus, I tell people, if you're afraid, if you're afraid to... uh, Receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior because you're afraid you're going to have to give up some of your treasures. Remember this. Jesus will replace them with something better. Isn't that wonderful? You know, I would not give up my life, what I've done through the years, because it's helped me become a better Christian. I've been on both sides. Somebody can't come to me and say, you yeah, know what? You've never, you probably never experienced, I probably have, you know. I brought, I, I raised myself, and I played by my own rules. So I know. Not all of it, but I know. I know what I know what I know. And I know this. When Jesus Christ came into my heart, it was bells and whistles. He turned me inside out. And I got to tell you something. 
this is just me. Doesn't have to be you. I'm not trying to judge you, tell you how you need to respond to your Lord. That's up to you. But all those things that I was doing that I shouldn't have been doing, he just took them, took them right away from me. He cleaned the slate. He cleaned the slate. I thank you, Jesus, for that. I think, I know, I tell you, my friends, I'm done, I don't want to talk about me, 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 but people that knew me in my early, late teens and early 20s, if they saw me up here, they would absolutely die with disbelief. But you know something? I wear that with, with praise for Jesus. It's not because of me. It's because what he did for me on the cross. I simply, like you did, all of us here, we've just responded to what Christ has already done for us on the cross. Amen and amen. So I'm going to close this with this. For me, communion reminds us of the breastplate of righteousness because it guards our hearts from Satan's attacks and assures us of Jesus' protection, his righteousness, his love, his forgiveness, and his sacrifice. Every day, we wear the breastplate of righteousness. The moment we wake up in the morning, the moment we pick up our Bibles, do our devotion, whatever, we're putting on that armor. We're putting it on, putting it on, because it's something we did not create, something that Jesus created for us by dying on that cross. Righteousness, living a life of righteousness can be done. It's not impossible with Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we praise you and thank you so much for who you are, for your love. And Lord, I just, I just thank you for all my brothers and sisters here today. I thank you, Lord. I've learned so much from them in so many ways. And they ministered to me in ways that they don't even can't comprehend because I don't share a lot of these things, but, but my heart knows. I thank you, Lord, that I've grown in my faith because of them. And I pray, Lord, that each of us can, can help another brother and sister grow in their faith by our actions, what we do, what we think, what we say. And Lord, help us. As Paul said at the beginning of, of verse 17, stand firm. Help us, Lord, to stand firm. Stand firm in you. Stand firm in your strength. Stand firm in your wisdom. Stand firm in your power. And help us, Lord, to visualize that and see it as we partake in this communion for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. I love